0: Okay, Christine, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kevin.
0: Let's get uh, right into it. You have some uh, big news about your company, your your former company, and your new company. Uh, And I've been having these conversations for about a year now. uh, Right, Started right in in the depths of the pandemic, and now we are coming out of it, it it appears anyway, I hope. But one of the things that always um, confused me is how... The edtech industry could kind of continue a pace, you know, during such a, a horrible, terrible time. I have a tough time just remembering my mask to go to the supermarket, but uh, things are being acquired. The you know, people are being, you know, merged. Uh, the acceleration of product and services, uh, their the response to the initial pandemic, and even as we go forward, there's just so much happening in the space of edtech. Talk a little bit about. If it was difficult, the difficulties of doing business uh, during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a boy a year for everyone. I feel like, but um, especially in the ed tech space, I would say, uh, you know, necessity has been (laughs) uh, the mother of innovation for a lot of us um, and a lot of those like directly in the schools themselves. And um, uh, so, in a lot of ways, I I would say there's been, uh, yeah, an acceleration of. Growth in the in the space and the adoption of um, technology within the classroom, et cetera. Um, speaking, you know, specifically to our company personally, um, I suppose it's worth mentioning that we were in talks about a uh, relationship with the Aperture before the pandemic happened. So who knows how close the time frame of when we would have uh, been acquired, uh, whether or not there was a pandemic, because it certainly. Uh, there's certainly a difference between um, meeting with people in person to talk about business and acquisition and um, having everything be be virtual. But um, yeah, it's worth noting that yeah. just the CEO of of Aperture and myself were uh, had had the fortune of being able to go on several runs together um, prior to the pandemic hitting and, and got to know each other, I guess, on a personal level before. Uh, the pandemic hit and we were, you know, uh, down to the the video calls, I guess, to uh, go forward with the acquisition.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so that uh, that was, there was some in-person before you had to uh, fall back onto the Zoom, huh? Uh,
1: certainly, yeah, yeah. yeah. yep. And
0: I know um, your uh, particular aspect in EdTech uh, talking about social-emotional learning was something that was important before the pandemic, but from my perspective, maybe something that was viewed as a luxury maybe, or it was also kind of like a theoretical sort of thing, a a nice to have, but not something that in my reporting I saw as something that was essential. And that has certainly changed a lot. Talk a little bit about how your business has changed and how the perception of social emotional learning has changed because of this giant group traumatic experience that we have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Ascend product standalone before we integrated with Aperture was largely around uh, students setting goals um, virtually and having a like a, a digital village of support around them as they pursued those goals. Um, which there was interest, as you, as you know, before the pandemic and largely within mentoring organizations such as you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and uh, communities and schools, et cetera, there was you know, already enough momentum in that direction for it to exist digitally beforehand. But certainly after the pandemic, hit, the, um, the need for those uh, support systems to be meeting the students where they are, even if it couldn't be in person, was only heightened, certainly. Right. Um, And as it relates to the relationship with Aperture and the just appetite from, you know, school districts across the country to be able to uh, effectively measure students um, uh, level of social emotional um, competence uh, and and where students are both in their their strengths in those uh, competencies and and where they um, what we would call have a, a need for instruction um has has only um grown larger i think i was just looking at a a survey yesterday that was saying that um uh in terms of assessing where students are coming back to school this fall superintendents are almost as interested in assessing where students social emotional learning is as a in comparison to their academic performance um after um a year where a lot of schools didn't spend that much time in person
0: Yeah. yeah 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 that is it's Really fascinating. Talk talk a little bit about uh, your platform and how you know how your services are provided.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, essentially, the the main the, the core product that Aperture offers is around um, assessing student social emotional learning. And traditionally, it's a, a platform where uh, teachers log in and they um, go through a, a nationally normed um, assessment rating of each of the students in their class. Um, And there's, uh, you know, it's just eight questions to do the mini assessment, the screening version. Um, And then the students that fall in the need for instruction range follow up with a a more diagnostic assessment um, across eight different social emotional competencies. And and so the results to the teachers is that um, uh, hopefully they're able to illuminate, um, you know, the unique strengths of every student in their class um, and what, what to be building on on those strengths. Uh, and also to be able to identify, you know, at a classroom level, which competencies might be more um, lacking compared to national norms um, and have specific strategies for them to work on, um, either at an individual, small group, or classroom wide uh, level of intervention um, across those different levels. Now, the, the more recent product that we've introduced um, post acquisition um, with the um, uh, former Ascend product. Uh, is really just this this concept of student voice and choice in those assessments and ratings. And so um, from the student's perspective, uh, they create an account and learn about um, social-emotional competencies uh, and then take a self-diagnostic, a self-assessment where they're talking about their own uh, um, social-emotional behaviors and and skill sets, et cetera, uh, on a a nationally-normed rating scale. Um, And then in real time are able to get feedback on what their strengths are in those competencies, um, learn a little bit more about the competencies themselves, and then be able to express their own uh, choice and self-determination in terms of which skills they want to further develop. And so they can select, you know, which of these competencies I want to work on. Um, they're presented with gamified challenges um, that are not all virtual, obviously. They're they're challenges that might take some reflective exercises online, but also carry out outside of the the screen as well um, for them to further develop those competencies, um, as well as set goals for themselves in other areas of their life um, where they can... um, We know that the pursuit of those goals is also developing the social emotional competencies of, of self-management and um self-awareness and responsible decision making etc so, yeah, the, the, uh, so the,
0: the self-awareness bit is, is uh fascinating to me as a parent uh i am astounded about how self-aware my own children are versus my, <laughs> myself and certainly when i w- was young is that something that has been a, a recent phenomenon talk a little bit about uh, the history of ascend and when how you got into the business and and, and what the Transformation has been like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, assessment wasn't a core product, a core piece of our product on the Ascend side prior to the acquisition that that was truly a competency of Aperture and bringing in their nationally normed assessment uh, really, you know, dug deeper into that that space for us. Yeah, um, we were really focused on the the self-determination and, and goal setting aspect and wanted to, um, you know, support classrooms that traditionally might teach goal setting and talk about the SMART acronym, and then uh, you know go through each of the letters and then prompt students to create SMART goals for themselves. Um, and we'd often find students would still struggle to hit on the measurability aspect or the you know time-based element, et cetera. And to be honest, like to your point, Kevin, I think adults struggle with that as well. Yeah. Um, so we had fun doing a bunch of design sessions with students and, and working through a, a step-by-step flow that would get to all of those elements um, but not in a cumbersome at any any point of the process type of way.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, a million students currently use the product? 500 school districts? That's right. Yeah,
1: we're about to double that this fall, though. Uh, so it'll be a, a big figure of growth. Um, yeah,
0: talk about talk about the scale and talk about, I know sometimes when I have these discussions about social emotional learning, it seems that there are districts that have more resources than others uh, that are able to kind of focus on it uh is this able to scale and maybe talk about um another big topic in the space right now is is digital equity and providing services to all students and not only technology but these sort of services uh because you are already at at a certain scale uh talk about how to implement that and how you see that as a, a potential solution for for students who are on the on the on the lower end
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first start by saying that just uh, mental health and social emotional learning—we know to have there's now more and more research that suggests a strong tie between that and the ability for students to perform academically.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And um. And so I certainly think that there's there's this wave of awareness across districts across the country, rural, urban, et cetera, that. Um, there is a there is a strong need, and I think we've been using the terminology in the last decade or so of, of focusing on the whole child more than just their their academic performance and how some of those other areas play a large role in their academic performance. If that's the motivation for some of the districts, right? Um, and so I think I think that's um, all coming through. Um, an interesting trend that I've also seen is uh, we've we've started to see um, bids out there for uh, statewide, uh, contracts and relationships and, and the desire for, um, you know, at a state department of education level to be able to, um, you know, support the districts and figuring out how to be supporting the students in their district, but also to be able to see how there are differences, um, across the state and across different demographics, um, you know, across, um, uh, different socioeconomic, um, uh, variables, et cetera. And so, um, it, and it's, you know, important on a topic like this to to make sure that the assessment that you're using to measure isn't inherently, doesn't have, uh, you know, bias that is, um, uh, you know, that we aren't using a a metric or measuring a behavior that is um, uh, more culturally um, acceptable in one culture versus another. And so, you know, in talking with our R&D team, it's always interesting to hear what they're thinking through to make sure that uh, a behavior-based uh, rating assessment doesn't have, you know, bias to one group of people over another, et cetera. Right.
0: right. Well, I guess now I uh, talk a little bit more about that, uh, that growth mode that you're in. I mean, those are some pretty gaudy numbers, but uh, what does that involve? <laughs> uh, it,
1: it's been fun. We, um, uh, we recently have had a great relationship and um, uh, our off in a, a contract with the Connecticut Department of Education. And so um, they made a, a big, they probably made the first stake in the ground to say, um, we want all of our students to be um, assessed for their social emotional um, learning um, across the state. And so the state uh, decided to cover all of the districts. Um, and so we've been working with them uh, probably for about a half year now. Um, and then going into the fall, will be where we'll where actually be rolling out to the districts in Connecticut. Um, but we've got um, some other recently closed uh, deals that will um, uh, double our overall number again. Um, so it's it's been a um, exciting time to be in business, but also uh, it exemplifies I think the um, the need to be um, measuring something that is really impactful to. Um, the students that the schools are working with right
0: yeah so that's interesting a state level involvement uh, most of the conversations I've been having been at a, at a, at a district level is that something that you see uh, changing in terms of well the federal government obviously is, is about to uh, unleash some pretty serious funding when it comes yeah. to uh, these sort of things uh, it, but the state seems to have activity as well
1: you know I think there's a huge benefit to the state to have um, uh the same assessment being used by all the different districts right there aren't aren't um all too many social emotional learning assessments out there but you would certainly think that they've got a benefit by having the the same the same rating in this in a really well nationally normed rating that that's being used universally as opposed to you know looking at reports from some districts that are using one assessment and another district that's using an entirely different assessment um, right. you would think that there's a, a significant benefit to them to figure out how to best um, deploy, uh, effective resources to, um, students.
0: Absolutely. Look ahead, uh, in the next three years, uh, let's say we have best case scenario that the virus continues to dissipate, uh, schools get back to normal, whatever that normal may mean, uh, look into your crystal ball and, and kind of give me, uh, your speculation of where you are seeing the ed tech market and specifically, these social emotional learning techniques uh, expanding?
1: You know, I think there's been a general weakness over the last couple of decades of figuring out how to do um, SEL really well um, in the middle and high school spaces. I think there's been a lot of investment in elementary school when it comes to social emotional learning, Um, but also knowing that, you know, high schools, you know, the last public school space to to be embarking some of these skills on before, you know, students go off to, to college or careers, et cetera. Um, and I think largely there's uh, the historical barrier has been that, um, you know, middle and high school teachers are often teaching to a specific subject matter, um, as opposed to the elementary school student uh, teachers, more generally, um, their focus being on the whole student in a variety of different capacities, etc. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot more investment in middle and high school uh, SEL and figuring out ways to educate um, uh uh, the teachers at those levels on social emotional learning and care for the teachers and their their own social emotional learning um, as they are, are better able to, um, you know, support the, the students they're working with. Um, so right. I think educator SEL is going to be huge I think generally the, the middle and high school um, space is going to grow in a, in a large way. And honestly, you know, Kevin, I would love to see a world where um, uh, teachers are familiar with their social emotional competencies and are able to um, speak to them to their classroom and uh, be able, really be able to model um, what it looks like to, um, you know, be vulnerable about where they're hoping to grow in their social emotional competencies, etc. Yeah. And I think that opens up a much better conversation for um, the educators to be talking Um, with students about um, how they can be supporting the students in their own uh, journeys in this space
0: yeah talk a little bit about uh, the role of parents when it comes to this it's another aspect I've noticed that since the pandemic and they we have all become uh, teaching assistants and involved at the remote level Um, I mean they must play a, a role in this as well right
1: yeah, absolutely. I'd be remiss to say, uh, to not say thank you for your role in that uh, as, uh, as we go along here. But yes, I think uh, parents play a large role, um, though we certainly couldn't be, I think historically, we've often allocated a lot of social emotional learning um, responsibility to the parents uh, when um, it should be, a, I think, a shared responsibility um, amongst three parties that, you know, the school system and the educators there, the parents and the students themselves.
0: Right. Um,
1: but I, but I certainly think that parents play a a large and significant role and perhaps have had the uh, largest historical role in students, uh, social, emotional learning.
0: Great. Well, Christina, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, some really great insights there. Congratulations on the acquisition and your work and I look forward to seeing how you continue to help America's students. So thanks for your time.
1: Hey, thanks Kevin.
0: And thanks everybody for watching. I hope you click around and find another episode soon.